Welcome! I'm so glad you are joining us on our journey through Christian disciplines. The title for this session is Fasting. Our scripture for this session comes from Isaiah chapter 58 and Matthew chapter 6. This is our fifth session in our study on Christian disciplines. Over the next few minutes, we will talk about what fasting is and why it is an important part of the Christian life. So let's begin. Let's dive into our scripture now with a reading from Isaiah chapter 58. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for justices and decisions and seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you did not notice? Yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed, and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every oath? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malice talk. Now jumping over to Matthew chapter 6. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. These are good news words for us today, and so we give thanks. Let's take a closer look now at Isaiah chapter 58. God called upon Isaiah to deliver a message to the Israelites. The people looked spiritual and religious, but God looked into their hearts and saw self-serving actions. They seemed righteous, but they exploited their workers at the same time. Even while fasting, they fought with each other. The message from God was clear. Acts of righteousness are not just something we do, but are done out of a sincere faith. Fasting was not a sacred performance but was to result in acts of justice and mercy towards others. 
So I think the most pressing question we have to ask ourselves from this passage is what sort of fasting does God desire? Think about it. If you need to go back, pause it, and go back and read Isaiah 58. What sort of fasting does God desire? I think we can see from the passage that the fasting that God desires is one of a sincere heart. One of a sincere heart that takes us not just, okay, I'm going to fast and lock myself away and, you know, fast, be done with it, move on to the next thing. But fasting in such a way that it brings about change in the world around us. The passage talks about loosing the chains of injustice. Talks about feeding those who are hungry, clothing those who are naked, taking care of, providing shelter for the wanderer, the traveler, the alien, those without a home. Very much a reminder that God is a God of justice. God is a God who calls his people to look out for those who are often neglected in this world. And so when we fast, it's not as this sacred performance like we talked about. But it is this, this thing that drives us and enables us to bring about change in the world, change that reflects the kingdom of God. So when I fast, I'm not just fasting as a checking off a to-do list or observing some religious holiday or festival, but I'm fasting so that I can participate in God's kingdom in a more effective way. Um, I'm fasting so that I can be reminded of who God is and what God wants me to do. And then I can go do that. Um, and so when, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about fasting. Not just merely the giving up of something, but the realigning our lives with God's kingdom and allowing that to carry out and bring about change in the world around us. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about fasting. And it's something that really God's people have struggled with, not just in Isaiah's day, but in Jesus's day and in the early church and in the Catholic church and in the Protestant church and in the Nazarene church and even among us today we struggle with this concept of fasting because we often get carried away with the performance of it, the self-serving interest of fasting, the look what I'm doing part of fasting. Um, and that's a danger that as we can see from our scripture reading of Isaiah, has been going on for thousands of years. Um, and if we're not careful when we practice fasting as a Christian discipline, we can fall into those same traps and patterns. 
And so we have to we have to have the correct mindset that if I'm not going to be fasting for the right reasons, then I should not be fasting. Um, in Isaiah chapter 58, God clearly says, you know, you're fasting, but you're fighting with each other. You're fasting and you're abusing your workers. Um, it would be better if you're not fasting at all. Um, if you're going to fast, fast in a way that looses the chains of injustice and feeds the hungry and upholds the kingdom of God and the world around you. So if we're going to fast, that's the way we should do it. Let's fast forward now to Matthew chapter 6. Fasting was mandatory once a year for the Jewish people during the Day of Atonement. However, people or groups could fast at other times throughout the year when they made certain petitions to God. During the time of Jesus, the Pharisees fasted twice a week, and it turned the practice into a way to get the public's support. Jesus reminded the disciples that they should not fast in a way that drew attention to themselves, but they should fast quietly and sincerely before God. For we, for us as well, fasting should not be a matter of public display and in, in an effort to gain the respect of others. It is to be done with the purpose of drawing closer to the Father. So again, we can see that from Isaiah's day to Jesus' day, the problem is the same, and that fasting is being used to glorify oneself and advance one, one's own interests instead of aligning yourself with the Father and advancing the kingdom. So the first question I want to ask is, how do you think the hypocrites, as they're referred to in this passage, viewed fasting, and what was their motivation for fasting? I think they viewed fasting as a way of promoting an agenda, um, or as a way to get people to notice how righteous they were and therefore it advanced their their status as religious leaders um, or as religious people. Um, and it could also have been used to as a way, you know, get that holier than thou type of aura around yourself. Um, and so I think I think a lot of their motivation was a self-serving motivation. Um, and even if it wasn't all those things, um, it could have been a very basic, uh, if you were just an average Jew, you are observing the festival, um, the Day of Atonement, and you're supposed to fast, and so you fast. And it's nothing more than that. It's just, here's this religious festival, I'm a Jew, and so I fast during this religious festival. And so it be, takes on this hollow meaning. Um, so I think there's a lot going on here. Um, but I think those dangers that Jesus is pointing out and calling the hypocrites and warning his disciples about are things that he is warning us about because we can often view fasting in the same way 
Um, at the very least, we can say, oh, it's fasting, or oh, it's the Lenten season, I'm supposed to be fasting. Um, and so we fast, and then that's all there is to it, and it's this hollowness as we're just doing it because it is that time of year in which we fast for Lent. Um, and we're missing, we're missing the, the meaning behind what's going on, the purpose to draw closer to the Father so that we can promote his kingdom in the world around us and we can, we can enact change in the world around us. So the next question is, what is, how is the approach of the hypocrites different from the approach that Jesus is teaching? How is the approach of the hypocrites different from the approach Jesus is teaching? So the hypocrites in the passage, they go about making public displays of their fasting. They make it, they disfigure their faces um, and make sure that everyone knows that they are fasting. Jesus, on the other hand, is saying, no, present yourselves normally. Make sure that no one knows that you're fasting. Do it in secret. That way, what is done in secret will be seen by your Father in heaven, and he will reward you for it. Jesus is, is taking what is done publicly for all these years and is saying, no, Let's do it on the, the down low. Let's do it quietly, in secret, to help avoid some of those tendencies of self-serving and selfishness that arise in the fasting realm. Do it in secret so that it is between you and the Father. And the Father is going to reward you for that. Um, in other words... Do it in secret. Align yourself with the Father and watch how He's going to use you for the glory of His kingdom as you begin to enact change in the world around you. So the last question is this. Why do you think fasting is a private act rather than a public act? I think it's a private act because when we do it privately, it removes some of those temptations that we are so easily led into as the human race. Um, Self-glorification, um, look at me, um, those type of things. When we do it in private, those no longer become an issue because we're doing it secretly we're doing it in private no one else knows no one else is watching us um, and so those have a tendency to be less of a temptation um, i also think that it helps us deepen our relationship with god uh, because we are doing something not for ourselves to be seen by others, but we're doing something for him to be seen only by him. And I think that has an effect 
on ourselves um, on a spiritual level, a personal level, and begins to change us from the inside out. Because we can't be effective ministers of God's kingdom. We can't effectively make change in the world around us if we don't allow Christ to first make that change in us. If we're still bound by uh, chains of slavery and yokes of injustice in our own life, how can we loose those chains in the world? So that, that private fasting brings about that change in our lives as we are drawing near to the Father, as we are focusing on Him and His kingdom and His will in our lives and allowing Him to change us from the inside out so that we can then go be a change in the world around us. So it's important to note here that fasting isn't just about food. At its core, fasting is temporarily or permanently saying no to an appetite so that we might with more focus and energy say yes to the desire to love God and neighbor. When we fast, we deny ourselves of something that is good. Refraining from sin is not fasting. Instead, fasting acknowledges the goodness of that which is denied, such as food, entertainment, electronics, information, or power, and reinforces that goodness by refusing to serve it as a god. So the next question I want us to talk through is why should, not why, what should I fast? What should I fast? So here are some some questions we can ask ourselves as we're trying to determine what we should fast and what would be the most meaningful thing for us to fast. So what could you fast from? All people have similar appetites, but they can vary in their strength and frequency. What are your strongest natural appetites, such as food, attention from others, media, distraction, electronic devices, video games, or is it something else? Which one do you have the least control of? Do any of these appetites weaken your appetite for God? These areas can be the best place to start for fasting. The next question to ask yourself is this. Are you fasting for the right reasons? As we have discussed, sometimes Christian disciplines can be practiced for the wrong reasons. Keep your focus on loving God and how God might be working in you and through you. The third question to ask is this. How can you start small? Fasting can be tough. Don't overdo it the first time. Start small and adjust as you go. Fourth question is this. How can you connect your fasting to the needs of others? Fasting can help us connect with God, and it can, be, it can help us connect with the whole world as well. When you fast from food, remember those who are continually hungry and malnourished. When you fast from spending money, remember those who are poor and don't have adequate shelter, and so on. In fact, go a step further and combine your fast with acts of service and work for justice. The fifth question and the last question is this. 
How can you incorporate prayer into your fasting? Fasting and prayer are almost always linked together in the Bible. When we fast, it provides us with a great opportunity to become to come before God and give thanks. Whenever possible, join with others who are fasting so that you can encourage and pray for one another. The goal of the Christian life is to deepen our capacity to love God and neighbor and must involve more than just attending to our own needs and desires. All the Christian disciplines help us move beyond just living for ourselves, but fasting is particularly helpful because it challenges self-serving love at the most basic level. So how will you practice fasting? I want this to be a question you ask yourselves and think about as we go forward in this discussion on Christian disciplines. How will you practice fasting? Will you practice fasting from food? Will it be electronics? Will it be coffee or soda pop? Spend some time praying and thinking about it. And then dive in. Spend some time fasting from something, maybe just a day to start with, and see how the Lord uses it to grow you in His relationship with you, and how God uses it to grow you in your fight for the kingdom as you participate in serving God to those around you in everything you do. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time where we can come together and talk about what it means to participate in your kingdom, what it means to draw near to you, what it means to practice fasting in a way that reflects your kingdom and draws us closer to you and in a way that is not self-serving and is not hypocritical, Lord. As we practice these disciplines, we ask that you will transform our lives, make us ever more in your image, so that we can be your hands and feet in a world that is hurting and broken. We love you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Go in his grace and peace, and know that you are loved. Until next time, have a good week.